people think they need to tell stories that are like, I saved the company millions of dollars, like just huge things. And actually it can be really little. It can be, I listened to a coworker and to help them create order in their calendar is a great accomplishment. Like just in that skill would show empathy and listening, customizing a solution for somebody. And so give yourself credit for the little things. We only think the big LinkedIn stories are worth it. And there's so much magic in the little, but sometimes learning how to accept the positivity within your body might be the first step. Have you ever wondered how you can use storytelling and mindfulness to flourish at work? Do you wrestle with the idea of contentment in your career? If so, this week's episode is perfect for you. Our guest, Carrie Twig, is a mindfulness and career contentment coach who has helped people to figure out what makes them awesome and how to embrace that awesomeness for over 20 years. Carrie is also a TEDx speaker and best-selling author of the book, The Career Stories Method. She was the number one career coach to follow by JobScan and was named a LinkedIn top voice in 2018 in the workplace and management category. There were so many golden nuggets in this chat on career contentment and how we can learn to tell a compelling career story. So enjoy! Hi, this is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern-day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the Explore This podcast. I've been following your work on LinkedIn for a while now, so I'm really glad that we could finally make this chat happen. Thank you so much for dialing in all the way from Winnipeg, Canada. So good to be here. Thanks for having me, Janice and Sarah. For those of our audience who have yet to come across your work before, could you share with our audience your background and how you got into the work that you do today as a career contentment coach? Yeah, for sure. So I started as a drama teacher. And as a drama teacher, I noticed that some of the acting exercises I was doing was helping real people in their careers. So I decided to pivot and wanted to pivot to something that would make money, studied HR, and found this really sweet spot of how to do career coaching for people using a lot of storytelling and drama methods. Kind of created a whole program about that, wrote a best-selling book, still a coach in that. And then, you know, like everyone who's doing a pivot, noticed that sometimes it wasn't a lack of clarity or a lack of storytelling skills that stopped people from taking action. It was actual, like the story that they were telling themselves in their mind. So for the last three years, I've been studying mindfulness and looking for how mindfulness techniques can help people to tell their stories and to find their awesome and actually follow through past the clarity stage. Well, we love how you really capitalize as well as leverage on your past background as a drama teacher to bring the value that you do to your coaching clients, I would say. And so, you know, there's something that we've heard before, which is that if you want to be happy, find a career doing what you love. Now, we all know that that is very much easier said than done. But you've also said on LinkedIn that we don't need to find a dream job or necessarily need to change our jobs in order to experience this career contentment culture. And now, while a lot of people identify themselves as career coaches, you take it one step further, Carrie, by identifying yourself as a career contentment coach. So we want to get your thoughts on what that quote actually means and how would you also define career contentment in your own words? 
Yeah. So I think the problem with saying that you have to love your job or you have to be in your dream job to be happy limits millions of people (laughs) from ever feeling happy in their career. And I don't think that it's true. You know, I remember having a job at a theater as like a box office um, selling theater tickets and I was gloriously happy, right? And was it my dream job? No, but I got to help people and greet people and I had fun with my coworkers. So I think you don't need a dream job to be happy. And then the other side is that I know tons of people with dream jobs and they're not happy. So they're doing work that they love with their ideal client, making great money, and they're not happy. And I'm interested in like, what's the connecting gap between those two situations? And I think it's career contentment, which is the way that you relate to the work that you're doing. So your relationship with work and career contentment has six categories in it. So do you know what makes you awesome and how to express that in a universal way? Do you know how to get relief from situations that are causing you suffering? Do you know how to fully enjoy yourself in, you know, in your flow? Not just having flow, but being able to like savor it. And when you have a win, can you savor it? Do you understand yourself, not just at a psychological level, but like at a deep, hey, I'm inherently valuable level? Are you showing up and performing in a way that is at your best? And do you know how to change your behavior or change your performance? So it could be as artful as it is. And are you making strong connections with other people so that the work that you're doing has maximum impact? So career contentment is all those six things in one. And so I help people to go, "Mm, if you're not happy in your dream job, what area do we want to look at? Or if your work is less than ideal, how might we ease the suffering that and make it feel wonderful anyway? How then can we start reframing our mindset on this dream job that you refer to? And sometimes it seems so out of reach. And like you said, it's something that everyone aspires to have. Everyone always speaks of, you know, wanting to achieve this dream job. But how should we actually start reframing our mindset around it on dream jobs as well as this career contentment? Yeah, so I think it's fine to have dreams. So I'm not saying, hey, don't have goals and dreams. I think what happens is that you don't have to wait until you have it, because you may never have it, to stop yourself from feeling satisfied in your career. It feels like cliche advice, but it's enjoy the journey of finding the moments along the way to savor that the journey and the practice to get there is is as important as getting there because you may never reach it. And what I find is that people are burning out along the way to get it. And when they get it, they're so exhausted, they don't know what to do with it, or they're scared of losing it, right? So are there things that we can do internally that are important. And maybe the thing to think about is that the measure of success in a career is about how you feel in it. So not the salary or the title, but how do you feel in it? And if you're not feeling great and you think that it's an external, what could you change with your relationship to work? Or what could you start to alter the way you react to things that are going internally that could make you happy right now? I think what you touched upon is such an important point because a lot of the things that we read out there, you know, it seems that when you think of career satisfaction and contentment, a lot of it has to do with external validation, position, title, and how it is perceived to the people outside. 
the next question that we have has a lot to do with what you just mentioned earlier about the internal feelings and how you truly feel about the whole journey. You mentioned earlier, you are also a mindfulness coach on top of being a career contentment coach. I mean, talk about being a double whammy combination. So we want to explore the topic of mindfulness at work with you. And I think mindfulness is something that we read a lot, especially in the wake of the whole well-being at work movement that's being championed nowadays. So we'd love to pick your brains on that. How would you describe the relationship between mindfulness and contentment? And I think on a more tangible note, how would that sort of look like and feel like when we are at work? Yeah. So um, I'll make one comment about how I think mindfulness at work is showing up right now in wellness. I had a government job. I was a policy analyst, I don't know, five years ago or so. And we had a meditation program where we would just like watch recordings of meditation teachers and we'd spend our lunch hour doing a half hour. And I always, I don't know, sometimes it made me feel worse about myself because I didn't know if I was doing it right. So I feel like a lot of times mindfulness is being sold like a quick thing that you do to feel better at work. And actually, it's so much huger than that. But I think there's three ways to define it. So mindfulness is awareness. So awareness of what's going on in real time. How it's useful at work is that mindfulness is also a process of becoming more aware of what we're doing in the moment so we can have more focus at work. And then mindfulness is also a way of using that awareness to improve the way that we're showing up at work, whether in our performance or the way that we're relating to other people. So I think it's it's an act of awareness. It's this process and then using that awareness for other things, not just a, you know, a one hit. I watched my breath for a minute. How I think it relates to career contentment is mindfulness tra- trains you in three skills that you need, I think, for happiness which is concentration. So can you focus on on what you want to focus on when you want to focus on it? Sensory clarity, are you aware of things as they're happening? Or do you, you know, get angry by what someone says to you, feel it explode, and then you're not even aware of what caused that? Could you create a gap between that reaction? And equanimity, which is being in the present and not spending all your time worrying about the past or thinking about the future. So being able to savor those wins and being able to be here and see what's happening right now. And if you do it smartly, like systematically, so you can bring all those skills to your work. It might be quite natural to be able to remind yourself to be mindful and at the start of the day when your mind is relatively at peace. But how would you recommend still incorporating mindfulness, even though you are going through a very stressful and very busy and, you know, firefighting mode at work. How can we still remind ourselves to be mindful, you know, in those, in those moments? Yeah. So in those moments, I think most people need relief. Like it's the first thing, right? So they're feeling really stressed out. You're about to do something heavy. So you can do a quick hit of, um, I call it like a micro hit. A great one, we can do it right now, is just look around the room in which you're in and notice what you see. And when you notice that your attention is drawn to something that you see, you can say either out loud or in your head, see. And then let it go and let your attention be drawn to something else in the room that you can see. Acknowledge it, label it see, drop it. So even 30 seconds of that 
just brings you to the moment and gives you temporary relief. And then you can go, ah, it's, it's kind of like a big, like inhale for your brain. <laughs> to like inhale, exhale. Okay. You're not stressing about the stress. And so that's a teeny one. If the C doesn't work, you can also just try that with hearing or you can try it with feeling. Like, what do I feel? Or like even just paying attention to your feet. So just like a quick reset. Now, if you do a formal training in addition, like 10 minutes of watching what you can see, then you'll have the skills when you feel stressed out to easily go to see, hear, feel when you want to. But that's a quick, like in the moment, do it. Carrie, you also wrote a book that is an international bestseller called The Career's Story Method, where you shared 11 steps to find your ideal career and discover your awesome self in the process. Now, 11 might be quite a lot, so we'll try to cover a few of them in this episode. But we want to hear a little bit about what was the inspiration behind writing the book, as well as what was the problem that you wanted to solve through this book? Yeah. So I wrote the book because I was thinking about not being a job search coach anymore, but knowing that the way that I, like some of the exercises that I created and the way that I talked about job search was inspiring for people. So I was like, I'll just share this. And then along the way, I actually got sick. Yeah. They they found a weird mass in me. uh, And I was actually scared that I was going to die. And also was like, well, if I'm going to die, I need to have this record of this work that I've done because I think the energy that I bring, I brought to job search coaching was just very different than what everyone else was doing. And it still has really practical, super practical advice, but just the way that I share things, I don't know, relax people or gave them hope. And so I wanted... Yeah, I wanted a a document with that. And then when it came out, like, I feel like maybe I wrote the book too late because I was a little bit done with a lot of it. So there's bits of it I still love and still follow as a coach, but the specific stuff like the resume writing or LinkedIn profiles, that sort of stuff, I'm a bit over. (laughs) So it's hard to even want to promote it. But there are pieces like the first exercise I still use that even as a career contentment. I think it's super, that one's super important. Yeah, you gave us a perfect segue into our next question because that's literally what we wanted to speak to you about. And I think to what you mentioned earlier about how there are a lot of career coaches out there who talk about, you know, the LinkedIn profile and that sort of thing. But I think what you bring to the market is something that's very unique, especially since there's a focus on storytelling, which I don't think I've seen many other career coaches anchor the way you tell your story based on career storytelling. So we just like to deep dive a bit into that and ask if you can share with our audience what this career stories method uh, kind of entail and how they can use it to discover their own awesomeness. Okay, so get the book because the first chapter is great at describing this. So the first exercise, super fun, it it comes from um, a playwriting exercise, but what you do is get a stack of index cards And so you sit with your index card and you just ask yourself, what is something that made me feel alive about my work? Or when was a day that I left work feeling really happy? And let that image and that memory come to mind, write it on the card and you're done. The next day, come back, another index card, ask yourself the same question and write down the memory. And you want to do this for seven days straight. And you don't want to do it in one sitting. 
if you do it in one sitting, you're probably just going to bring up stories that you've always told. And if you're <clears throat> trying to find your awesome, it's probably not in the story you've already been telling. So just give it time and also let stories that come from outside of work, like a volunteer experience or a school experience, those ones count and they don't need to be big stories. They can be, you know, you stayed late because a client came just as you were closing and you let them in and you're really proud of that generosity and being patient with them. That is fine. After seven days, you want to look at all those cards and for each story, just go, well, what skills did I use in this story? And then write those skills on the back of the card. And again, try and use like original language. So instead of, you know, I'm, I'm organized, it might just be like, I sort huge messes. Like just think of unique language. So it feels a bit more, a bit more fun. And so each story, figure out the skills that you did for each story. And then look at all those skills and go, which ones keep popping up in story after story? And you'll notice that there's three or four that you do consistently. That's what makes you awesome. That's your career story. And you can create a statement of, I'm awesome at this, this, and this. And that doesn't need to be a story that you share externally in the beginning. In the beginning, you can just tell yourself, hey, I'm really awesome at this, this, and this. And then, you know, the rest of the process is about how to, how to back that up by telling actual stories and being strategic about who you tell them to and how you tell them. But that's how you find your awesome. Hey, Carrie, I'm curious. Have you ever encountered clients who actually tell you that they don't have any stories, you know, to these question prompts that you've given them? Yeah. So it actually, it was like the most surprising thing about writing the book is people being like, I can't do the first step. And I was like, what? And I realized I have a positivity bias. I just naturally see all the goodness in all of what I've done and can access it and give myself credit. And sometimes if you're so lost in your work that you can't even access a positive feeling or you suffer from depression, like it's hard to do that. So I actually think the first step might be some like positivity training. So doing practices where even in the morning, you're like drinking coffee and you say something kind to yourself. Like, I love myself. And then as soon as you feel a positive emotion, even super subtle of allowing it to spread and sometimes doing a week or two of like nurture positive training can be enough to just remind yourself of what a good feeling is and then try and do the prompts from that place. The second thing that happens is that people think they need to tell stories that are like, I saved the company millions of dollars, like just huge things. And actually it can be really little, you know, it can be, I listen to a coworker and help them create order in their calendar is a great accomplishment. Like just in that skill would show empathy and listening, customizing a solution for somebody, like just in something really simple. And so give yourself credit for the little things. We only think the big LinkedIn stories are worth it. And there's so much magic in the little, but sometimes learning how to ex accept the positivity within your body might be the first step. Thanks for asking. That's like such a, such a wise question, Sarah. Indeed. I think that question is so relevant to 
a lot of us who think that, you know, our career stories are pretty ordinary, nothing too special that would make someone take notice and say, wow, that's an extraordinary story. But Carrie, we do want to ask you, how do you know when you have a great career story? Oh, wow. (laughs) I just wrote about this, so I'm excited. So I think, you know, you have a great career story. If you know, so if someone was to say to you, what makes you different from everyone else? You can just say, yeah, I'm good at this, this, and this. So I think you knowing it. The second would be that, and it has to feel good. It has to feel true. It should light you up when you say it. And if you're trying to remember it, you can stick it on sticky notes around yourself to remind yourself that you're able to share it in a short way with other people. So if people would ask you what you do, what you're great at, I think being able to say it in a sentence or two would make a really good story. That it's tailored for an audience. So you know who you're telling it to. If you do an expanded version that you know what your story does to somebody else. And then I think it's also about that the actions that you're doing. So the way that you show up in your career online, anywhere in interactions with people match those top three skills. So they're not two different stories. So your actions match. And the last one, if you want to know if you have a really good career story is that people besides yourself are saying the same thing about you. So if you're saying, you know, I'm an organized creative and everyone else is saying this is like a disorganized, like narrow thinker who never comes up with anything original, it doesn't matter how great your resume or your LinkedIn is because other people aren't seeing it. And then it's going back to maybe that fourth step or that first and being real about what your skills are. Well, on that note, then, we all know that people who can share their strengths through very compelling stories, and again, these stories might take various forms. And when they do that in interviews, their resumes, or any other pitches, they will stand a higher chance of landing the job that they're aspiring to get into. But we all know also, Carrie, that this exercise might be one that's quite difficult for some people. And so share with us What are some ways that they can overcome these mental obstacles? Yeah, so I think that's why I'm doing the mindfulness because I think that that is the secret. So I've had clients who've figured out they're awesome and figured out their target. And then when it came to actually saying it, what they had was like feelings of like, "Mm, no, it's cheesy to put myself out there. Everyone's going to judge me or I'm not not as good or Carrie just... (laughs) pumped me up and this isn't real. And those thoughts, I think the thing to remember is those limiting thoughts that you tell yourself are just sensory experiences. They don't actually have to change your behavior. And it's not pretending that they're not there. But when a thought comes up, like, I can't do this, or I'm not the kind of person who gets to have an incredible career you could notice the way that we did with external see, hear, feel. You could notice when I say that to myself, am I hearing it in my head or am I seeing it? Am I feeling it somewhere? And you could just label that experience as see, hear, feel and then see if it's still there. And sometimes by just labeling it what it is can help you see it, like detect that it's even there can help you befriend it and go, interesting. Hey, friend who tries to self-sabotage me. Hi there. 
and then eventually unravel it so it doesn't take root and then add to the story. So if I used to have a story that said, you're not the kind of person who gets to have an incredible career, that thought used to be something I believed and kind of went into my core and I would move around in that way. And I would add to that story, giving it you know, proof of all the things I've messed up and all the breaks I haven't had and let myself believe it. But then I started to go, hear that thought. You're not the kind of person who gets to have an awesome career. And I was like, here, here. And then it went away. And when it goes away, it actually creates the space. And you could fill that space intentionally with positive thoughts or positive actions so that you're moving a little bit different. So I think the first thing is just detect whether you're seeing or hearing or feeling them and going, you know, what sensory experience is it? Because it doesn't need to have a hold. When you add to it, you hold. It's like, it's so simple. It's like quitting smoking. Like the only way to quit smoking is to not smoke. And so the only way to kind of stop yourself from stopping yourself is to like not stop yourself and acknowledge what the sensory experiences are. Oh, I've actually never heard of self-limiting beliefs at work being described as actually sensory experiences. So I think that was actually really profound how you've put it. So simple, but you know, a lot of times we tend to get caught up in those thoughts. Yeah, but it's just, you're just hearing them. They're just sound waves that you're creating for yourself. They don't have to have any power. That's really good, Carrie. And so today we've actually spoken so much about career contentment. You've given us a lot of insight on mindfulness as to how that could help us thrive at work and even given us some great tips on how we can overcome mental obstacles when it comes to, you know, sharing our compelling career stories. We do have one final question to ask you in terms of this career aspect, which is what is one piece of actionable advice that you could offer to those of our audiences right now who are feeling stuck at a particular stage of the career that they are at? There's so, <laughs> there's so many. If the exercises that I've already shared, like the see, hear, feel, or the career cards aren't working for you. You know, another really fun one, if you're feeling stuck, I find most people don't too, but even just drawing a map of your career can be really fun. Just get some markers, get some colored pens, get some pretty paper or not pretty, whatever, and just go, okay, what does my career look like from now? And you can draw a map and you can draw like your first job and maybe it's a scene from your first job or maybe it's a symbol, but just, you know, label that. And then you can ask yourself questions like, how did I get it? What did I learn? How did they see me? Why did I leave? And then draw your space to your next job. And same thing. And even that can help you. Even if you're feeling stuck, you might go, because I had someone who did this and they said, this exercise helped them deal with something that kept them stuck for a decade, is they noticed in every job, when somebody would criticize their work, they would quit. Like when they and they didn't realize. And so they didn't know why they weren't keeping these jobs. I was so unhappy. And they were like, oh, I get criticized by, by somebody and then I quit. And then you can look at your map and just go, do I want this to be true moving forward? You know, if it's some action that you're taking and then draw what you think it would look like your future career, what are maybe the next three stops that you plan to make? 
and you're just dreaming. So you can dream, you know, as big or small, but sometimes just drawing and digging into those questions is a way of reflecting that's a little bit better than, than prompts or writing stories on cards. I love that the drawing exercise has a visual eat to help your thinking and it goes along well with the prompts that you mentioned as well. And it's interesting that it took them a decade to realize that what was the the key reasons that they've been leaving all their previous jobs, right? Only when they did this visual exercise of actually drawing out the career map, then it helps them to see and understand as well as reflect on, on that specific reason. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, so Carrie, one of the questions that we'd like to ask our guests as we're wrapping up the episode is, what is one thing that you personally, Carrie, would like to explore more of? So I'm well now that I've brought mindfulness to like the career development sphere, I'm really interested now in like and it feels like it's pretty obvious, but I'm really interested in the deep mindfulness work and how it's connected to deep authentic storytelling. And what exercises I could do to help with that. And I'm created and played with some, but I feel like that's the next step, right? I think I love all these three areas and then just mashing them up in new ways. Finding that extra sweet spot. I love it. So yeah. where can our audience find you as well if they love to learn more about career contentment, mindfulness, and the work that you do? Yeah. So my website, which is careerstories.com. I also hang out on LinkedIn just under my name, Carrie Twig. Uh, and uh, Instagram, I like play around there. So I'm Career Stories Carrie. Great. That wraps up our episode today. Thank you so much, Carrie, for sharing these practical tips on how we can achieve career contentment and utilize storytelling and mindfulness to flourish at work. So we also like to wrap up with some key takeaways that we've learned from you today, which is how do you know when you've got a great career story? You can share it in a short way with others. It feels true and real to yourself. It is tailored and people beside you are saying the same thing. You also spoke about how limiting thoughts are just sensory experiences. So we love the tools on seeing, hearing and feeling. And last but not least, you also spoke about how we can use a map as a visual aid to help visualize our career themes if any of us are feeling stuck at any points of our career. So thank you so much once again, Carrie, and we really enjoyed our chat with you. Yes, me too. Thank you. If you've stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We'd love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every Monday at 8pm. See you then! Thank you.